If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live on Four Legs Podcast and on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. One, two, three, four. I seem to recognize. We just, we just, we just played that one. That's a small town mosquito. Oh, you've been forgiving Americans for years, I'm sure you. One, two, three, four, two. Listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. everybody now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast whether you're tuning in for the first time the second time or the 81st time because it's our 81st episode welcome back everybody what we do on every episode if this is your first time tuning in is we go through a show in the history of pearl jam and we'll discuss some of the great moments some of the songs and some of the you know some of the things that make pearl jam sets so perfect so great this is why we love the band and we share our love with all of you out there so uh we are continuing on with our around the world series and we are hitting france we have been in europe for a couple of months now and uh nothing's really going to change because we wanted to try to hit every single european country that there is and we thought we were close to the end i checked and i counted the countries we have about ooh eight countries left so that's quite a bit of shows but you know what they're all really good shows that we have planned and and good places we still have we still have england we got to do we still have a really important one that we're going to do for ireland and a couple other places netherlands and switzerland so you know hang on it's going to be good italy is going to be on there too so you know i think we're getting to the meat and potatoes of all this so john is uh absent this week we uh thank him for for taking a little break so we can invite two veterans of the show back and one of them used to be a former co-host i think most of you that have been tuning in from day one remember him as matt helbig the one who 
oh, I don't know, once Big Wave every single time we do a show and came back that one time that we did Big Wave. So welcome back, Matt. It's great to have you back. Is it is it bad to say that listening to Big Wave on that episode kind of like... It wasn't disappointing. It was just not as exciting as I hoped it well, would be. Well, I think you've <laughs> actually seen the light that, you know, you're one in very, very few people that can actually have this, you know, sentimental attachment to that song because almost nobody does. But that's what also makes yeah, was, your appearance on the show unique every time you come on. <laughs> it's it's sentimental, but I think I realized that um, it's It's fine. My my classic it's fine quote. Right? Happy happy <laughs> to have it class. Up when I finally heard it. Happy to have it. Yeah. I mean, I would love to hear it live, but hearing it live in that show is like, oh, oh, well, all right, it's it's so it's fine. But you know what? We haven't covered it since, so the next time we do get to yeah. get to do it, maybe it's a better version, and we'll bring you back for that. And you know, we don't have that in this show. Well, it's the same era, but we're not there on this one. Right, but. You know, spoiler free, uh, we do have another one of my all-time favorites on this one, which is great. So I'm excited to get to it. I actually don't know off the top of my head which one it is. So, uh, yeah, really? hang, on to, hang on to that thought. Well, there's so much in the show. There's actually a few, there's actually a few favorites. Actually, I know what it's favorites. not. This one's great. I know what it's not. I'll put it that way. I know what it's not. So, yeah, yeah let's kick the show right off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, there'll be plenty to talk about with that. So uh, we have another guest on the show as well. He hasn't been on in a very, very long time. And that is my fault because I want him on as much as humanly possible. He's a terrific guest. He is a brother of ours, uh, specifically Matt's because, you know, they are blood related. Me, I'll take a blood oath if I have to, but um, not my preferred way of doing things. I just, I think. Not not in. Not in pandemic season, Randy. That no, 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 no. Imagine, <laughs> imagine we take a blood oath right now, and we're just like, "That's it. We're we're done. We're we're you out." Started all over again. Yeah. Right? yeah, that wouldn't be great. So, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. I should say, Steve Maytan. It's been over a year, and we're happy to have you back. And you're going to tell some great stories on today's episode. Man, I. I, I couldn't believe it when I was looking up uh, when I was looking on Skype. Very rarely use Skype these days, and uh, even though you have like nine accounts, yeah, I do have I do have many accounts as well. But when I was looking at it and I saw that our last our last call together was over a year ago, I couldn't believe it. It does not seem like it was that long. It's crazy. Yeah, man. These I mean numbers keep falling on the calendar floor. You know, every yeah. every day it's it just continues to go on and on and on and and. You know, we probably had you on last. We were in what, like thirty-five episodes or something, and now I think so. Yeah, we're sort of now on the road to a hundred. So this yeah, is wild. yeah, we've we've been going on with this for a while. But you know, you were on the fifth ever episode. You were our first non, you know, our, I should say our first guest. I was going to say our first non Matterai guest, but <laughs> I, I I think guest works just as well and. And you were the only guest for a couple of times in the beginning, and and now you're back. And and you know this is this is how we envisioned the show a very long time ago that we were the three of us were just going to sit here and just goof off and talk about Pearl Jam for an hour, hour and a half, and and that's what we get to do today, thankfully. So, all right, Marseille, France, 2006. 
I'm just going to let you get into it. And you're a fantastic storyteller. I'm going to let you do your thing. <laughs> so tee them all up here. This is the first of four shows that you did in Europe that year. And right. there's a reason why you went to these shows. So let's start with that. Oh boy. Okay. So I'll just, I'll just get things started, Randy. And, um, uh, I'll kind of just tell the, tell the story up until the show kicks off if you want. And then, uh, I, please you do. Know, yeah. You know, just, just, just interrupt, uh, as, as you need to. So, um, this story actually starts on, uh, Cinco de Mayo of the same year, 2006. Um, my brother Maddie and I had stayed, uh, online, uh, was it really Cinco de Mayo? It wasn't. It wasn't it was the day Cinco, that avocado. That, that was, no, Cinco de Mayo was, was was Cinco it, de Mayo was the date of the Irving Plaza show. So right. we were on. Oh. I think it was. I think it was May second was when yeah. uh, avocado, avocado came, came out. Right. Okay, right. that's what confused me. Okay, carry on. Uh, that was. Yeah, we we stayed we stayed online at. Um, uh, it was Tower Records, right, Matt? Yeah, the old Tower Records. Yeah, Tower oh, Records. They were still open. Yeah. Yeah, Tower Records in Manhattan. Um, uh, and we actually recruited. Uh, my, one of my best friends, John, to to take a third spot in line so that we could get three tickets. Um, waited online, you know, all day until uh, until the the album was actually released. And when you bought the album, you got the ticket to the uh, Irving Plaza show. First fifteen hundred people, of course, we must right. say. Exactly. You got to make it sound super exclusive First... <laughs> here, Steve. People people come to this podcast with some really For... amazing. Uh, uh, accomplish, accomplishments and right. I feel like this is ours so we should uh, <laughs> mention that even though I was so, listening well, I mean, you're just you're making the story even more painful Matt so uh, <laughs> that's what I'm here for tonight I was listening to one of the other Pearl Jam podcasts and they did say that both both hosts who didn't know each other at the time were both at this show so that's oh really three in, uh, four in in fifteen hundred that yeah. you can say you know that that that's pretty good odds right, right I, there. I, I, I'm sure I, we know. More. I don't feel special anymore, <laughs> <laughs> especially in the podcaster community. The odds are now against us. Okay. <laughs> anyway, carry on. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, to make the, a long story uh, a little bit shorter, at this point, we um, the the actual show was Cinco de Mayo, and I was uh, dating someone uh, for a very short period of time. At that point, we we just started going out, um, and. Uh, we went out to dinner before the show and we went for Mexican food because it was Cinco de Mayo and uh, I had a little bit too much by way of tequila and I basically do not remember the Irving Plaza show at all. Uh, I have snippets of memories here and there, um, but not, not, not very much of the show at all. So um, the next day I realized what had happened and I was so irritated uh, with myself uh, but also that I had that I have no memory of this awesome experience. I decided that I needed to have uh, another experience to take its place, and that's when I started looking for um, shows in Europe that I could go to. And uh, the stretch that worked the best for, like I think it was like my work schedule and things like that at the time, uh, were these four shows: the Marseille, Paris, Bern, and Bologna. So um, wound up getting plane tickets. Uh, I got uh, ten club tickets for. I think it was time club tickets for all four shows. We know the time came. We flew out. Um, the same uh, young lady who I was dating at the time, who uh, um, I stopped dating uh, when I met my wife, <laughs> 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 my, my now wife. Um, 
we flew out to Europe and uh, Marseille was the first show, obviously. We flew into Paris, uh, then took the train to Marseille, had the day in Marseille um, to kind of just hang out and, and see, the, see the city a little bit. Uh, Marseille is not nearly as nice, for lack of a better term, a city as Paris, but it's, it was a lot more interesting, I think. There was a lot of uh, stuff that I didn't expect to see as far as like street merchants and things like that. It was uh, a very, very cool city uh, to go to. We got checked into the hotel, dropped off our bags, and uh, went to went to the venue. And uh, one of the reasons why this show specifically, besides the fact that it was the first one we saw um, on the trip, one of the reasons why it has a special place for me is because the way that the doors opened to the venue, like, you know, uh, general admission, everybody has to go in and kind of just go, uh, you know, they kind of move you along. Um, and the way the doors opened to the venue, the doors were on Stone's side. So as you walked in, the security kept you moving, moving, moving down towards Mike's side. Um, but because of the way we were positioned in line, uh, we actually got to be on Stone's side. Uh, and out of all four shows, uh, Stone's my favorite. I prefer to be on Stone's side. But out of all four shows, this was the only one that I got to be on Stone's side uh, for the whole tour. So or, you know, for the whole four shows. So um, that was pretty awesome uh, to have my first. And, you know, of course, obviously, I didn't, at the time, I didn't know it was going to be the only show where I'd get to be on Stone's side. But it wound up being that way. And it was, it was pretty great. And for some reasons that we'll talk about later on in the set, I think. So this night is probably not the night that you got the McCready pick then, right? Because I know you got a McCready pick on, on your European tour, right? Yeah, I got a McCready pick in Bern. Um, and the, the Bern uh, show, I had the, I was right on the rail. I was directly in front of Mike. Like, uh, it was ridiculous how close I was in, in the Bern arena. That was great. Um, so this was, I was probably one person back from the rail uh, in, in Marseille, but still pretty close, uh, to the stage. What, uh, what, what was the venue like? Cause I, I, I can't imagine that Marseille arenas are packing that much more than what, like seven, 8,000 people. No, I do not even think it was, it was that many. It might, I mean, maybe, but it was, it was small. It was, um, I mean, if I had to guess, uh, I don't really know. And I, you know, you know, you know how memory works. It's not, it's not perfect. So this is what, 15 years ago. But, um, I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say there's probably four or 5,000 people there. Um, it was the whole, the whole lower level was, uh, I mean, there's no seats or anything like that. It wasn't like it was a, it wasn't like it was like an MSG where they took the seats out or something like that. Right. You know, it was like a big, it was like a, a really, really large auditorium. There was no, no, uh, no seats on the bottom level. I never tried to go up to the top level, so I don't know if there were seats up there, but um, it was just like one big floor, uh, you know, hardwood floor, and then the top, um, you know, the top kind of going around uh, the stage. Uh, the whole thing was set up to face the stage, um, so there was nothing behind uh, for them, for, you know, for anybody to sit behind or anything like that. Right. Yeah, the reason why I asked that, because you listen back to the bootleg, and you can audibly hear individual voices in the crowd. It's oh, not God. often yeah. that you get that, but you can hear just, like, people off in the distance be like, oh, this way. Dude, dude, yeah. the, the the freaking, the guy that yells out Eddie Vedder he, every five minutes yeah. was, 
if, if, if this set if this set and show it's probably the only so two words good, he knew in English. It probably was. <laughs> if, if this show and set wasn't so damn good, I would have I would have turned it off and said I couldn't do this because uh, I, it was it was like after every single song. Yeah, <laughs> it was driving me crazy. Uh, yeah, and, and the the space between the rail and the actual stage, I don't. I mean, you the the um, security guards, like they might have been able to fit like two people, you know, like stage one person, two person, you know, second person, and then rail. Like it, you, we, the rail was almost at the stage. It was like hmm. ridiculously close. Yeah. What was the crowd control like? Was there a lot of movement in the crowd? Because no. I, I didn't hear them at one point in the show say, Hey, careful, watch it. Because usually with shows that are really close to the stage, they're looking around and making sure that everybody is good to one another. So this was, the crowd was pretty good here. Yeah. The, the, the European shows that I've been to, I've been to five. Um, the, the one in Paris doesn't really count. Cause it was a, it was a much bigger stadium. It was, you know, that was like a, um, like an MSG type size, uh, stadium. Um, so there was no like general admission or anything for that, or at least none that I, that I got. Um, but the, the four shows that, I, that I've done general admission in Europe, the people are so much nicer and like more, <laughs> more well-behaved for lack of a better term. Like there was no, it's because we're animals. Here. <laughs> there, yeah. was, there was no, like no pushing. Nobody was trying to get to the front. Nobody was like, there was no, um, you know, like no struggle or anything. Everybody just like, staked out their spot if somebody was like really tall uh you know they would kind of like try to work with the people around them to make sure that everybody could see like it was just a much more cordial nice thing and i don't know if i've just been super lucky at the shows that i've been to or um you know people in europe just have a different outlook as far as you know concerts and pearl jam concerts specifically but uh it was not like that at all there was never never did there have to be any sort of intervention or hey calm down or you know any, anything along those lines. It was right. Awesome. Right. And you're also in four places that aren't like, they aren't necessarily Pearl Jam hotbeds, burn Switzerland. Right. You know, I don't know how many right. times they went to burn. I think they were, sp- they're supposed to go to burn or Zurich this year. I can't remember which one it was. It might've been Zurich. Paris isn't even that big of a hotbed of right. former Pearl Jam shows. There's a couple in like the very early nineties, but you don't really hear about a lot of good Paris shows and unless right. unless Aurelian is, is telling you about them, which usually he's right. talking about shows from the Netherlands or, or London. So, you know, that <laughs> yeah. a Frenchman is, uh, you know, that that's where he stands with it. But, yeah, none of these four really stand out to me. You know, the, the ones, like I said, London and, and Amsterdam and um, a couple of those other places that are the Berlin. Like, I think of those ones and I think, okay, maybe the crowd is going to get really energetic. Maybe they're going to get, there's going to be a little bit of a problem, but I, I couldn't see that in Marseille. Not at all. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah, no, the, the, crowd, the crowd was awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. And even the, you know, even the security guards that sometimes get maligned, um, they were, they were all super cool. Like they were talking to people in between sets, um, giving out water, uh, cause it was very warm in there, uh, in the, you know, in the, in the venue. So, um, yeah, every, everybody was just awesome. All right. So cool, cool little insight into, you know, like what was going on and, and, you know, what the arena was like that, that was good stuff. And, and at the time, look, 2006 is their longest tour 
that they've had. Like, they've never done a tour like this in a year since 2006. I think they did somewhere along the lines of 40 dates in the U.S. And then this European tour was about 25, I think. And then they did a bunch in Australia and Hawaii. I think that amounted to about 16. So you're getting 80-some-odd dates that they're doing all in one year, and they've never really amounted to that in later years. You know, the 2010 when they were touring for Backspacer, you know, uh, maybe the Backspacer U.S. tour ended up being 15, 16 dates, something like that. And then they went out to, to Europe and did about 10 in Europe. And then Lightning Bolt, the same thing. They did probably 15 and 15 on the East and, and the West Coast. And, and that was yeah. about it. So this is this is a pretty big year for them and, and really the last of its kind. So you're getting kind of something kind of very special, as, as we'll talk about within this show what happens and what goes on, you know, especially for the time, things that you really, you don't see. And, and maybe some of those things are more common to see nowadays, but you know, some very rare stuff that we'll, we'll get into all of it. We'll talk about all of it and uh, we'll start the session. Now, this is where we kick off here. Long road. And I know you're such a huge fan of Long Road, Steve. Every time I think of Long Road, or every time I think of like you and and Pearl Jam songs that I associate with you, like that's number one or number two. And and this version, and and it's just kind of crazy that they're opening with this in a show that you're covering with us. But this version is so much different than usual Long Roads because usually they have this you know slow build open, and it's kind of you know it's a little. It's a little bit solemn, it's a, it's a little bit, you know, it's it's more emotional, but this is just these heavy drums that Matt Matt's beating on here and the pacing is a lot faster. than I ever heard them on Long Road ever before. I, I want to know what you thought. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I totally agree. This, um, for, for me to like go in and have this like level of excitement that I already had to be at these shows, uh, which was already just unbelievably high, right? I was just 
I could not have been more excited. I'd never been to Europe before, right? So this was all of this thing was like just a just a crazy experience to begin with. And then they opened with my absolute favorite opener, um, and they do it in this unique way. It was it was amazing, and it just it just set the stage for such an awesome night. Um, it, I, you couldn't ask for anything more, really. I might be Steve's brother, but I'm slightly the opposite on this song. Uh, I will agree that this song was definitely like, uh, um, uh, how do I put this? It was actually surprising to hear because, um, you know, Steve says it was a, it was a much smaller crowd, and you know, maybe not in Europe, they might not be too uh, crazy or wild in the pit as we would call it here in America, but. Um, they sounded like they were really amped up as a crowd, like happy to be there, yeah. which I feel um, kind of lent a hand to this more rock version of Long Road, uh, which I, I liked. Uh, I still don't love the song. I, I just never, I just never loved the song. But it felt like they were like, okay, let's do this song, but let's push it a little bit. I feel like. There's a contrast which, with how I, I feel like Eddie was feeling that night, which I'll get to kind of as we go, but this is the more uh, high-energy feeling that I get from Eddie from this night, which worked pretty well as an opener. Yeah, and you know what? The, the crazy thing about Long Road as just being an opener and just being a song in general is that it has the sort of aura or mystique to it where when you hear those opening chords, it kind of transports you to... A different location or you kind of forget that you're surrounded by you know a thousand some odd sweaty bodies that are that are surrounded by you but um this here it you know when it's sped up in some of these songs that you talk about sometimes like a state of love and trust that are sped up a little more and not their album version you lose a little bit of its luster a little bit of its mystique and and this version of long road doesn't do that at all i think it adds a little bit of extra emphasis and I think like you said it sort of sets a tone for the night and what they're especially what they're going to do within the first six or seven songs right here where it's Which really is like literally the best first six or seven songs I can't I've heard in a long time yeah I, I can't think of much better we've done a lot of really really good ones lately but this transition in from Long Road to Why Go I actually thought like Long, usually you kind of separate the release or the, the long road or the oceans from the opener, you know, the opener section and say, okay, that was, that was kind of the warm up. Here's where they kick in and get into to the harder stuff. But I felt like long road was a part of that, which is something that I usually don't think, I, especially with a, a song that is so much different than, a why go into evolution separate hand it doesn't really with the recorded versions doesn't fit in that mold but man they, they find a way to do it and it's perfect to start to start the show that way um especially i mean long road evolution and severed hand i'm I, don't be wrong i love why go but those th three of those four songs are three of my favorite pearl jam songs especially at the time so uh to kick off the show like that was really unreal and again like i said i was already in a headspace of like I, I can't even believe that i'm here right now uh so to get a show going like that was was uh, amazing and yeah it was almost like man are we gonna be able to pace ourselves <laughs> for however long they play you know we're still kind of we're still pretty jet lagged we've only we would only been in uh europe for like i don't know 20 
six hours or so at the time oh. and that's when the show started so, <laughs> so and these we were, were all like back to back to back dates kind of right yeah we had um the longest time in between i think was two days that we stayed in one spot because okay uh yeah um you know i think we got we got a couple days in paris um but uh yeah otherwise we was like show and then train for you know uh you know several hours and then show and then train and then show and then train uh, and then, you know, and then train back to um, Paris to fly home. So, yeah, it was it was a whirlwind for sure. There was a show that we covered recently where Ed said, you know, I'm noticing all the same people in the front row here and you guys should start a band because you you, you got this touring thing down pat. <laughs> you know, I, it's that you get to kind of feel what the band is going through when, when they go from venue to venue, obviously they're not taking the train or anything and they got, you right. know, luxury <laughs> buses and all that, but it's still the same sort of mentality. So, um, but man, I mean, you have to continue on here, you know, why go evolution severed hand corduroy whipping immediately after corduroy. And it's not like this version of corduroy is not, an average, hey, that was fun corduroy. This is a pretty kick-ass corduroy here. And yep. you would think that some of the stuff that Mike is doing, he's, you know, he's not doing anything too flashy, but he's busting out some delay effect stuff. And, and the storytelling with his guitar is just masterful. It's a second, it's really the second voice in the band. But from all of that, I would think to myself, like, okay, I need a little bit of a breather and then they go into the fastest version of whipping that I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I, I don't know how after those six songs you're keeping up and you're keeping pace with this because man, that's a, that is a lot. Yeah, it, it was definitely a lot, but again, I think, I think a large part of it, the crowd was so into it as well. that There was just so much energy. The, the, the crowd, the band, everybody was so into it. It didn't feel tiring. You know, like for me who'd been to several, I don't remember, I think this was like my 18th or 19th show, something like that, I think. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I, something like that. Uh, and um, like I knew, you know, I, I know how long Pearl Jam shows are. So I was kind of like, man, is this, you know, are we going to be able to keep this up? And am I going to be able to keep this up? I'm tired. <laughs> uh, but I think everybody else was so into it. That maybe they, you know, like you said, they're not, you know, real, real Pearl Jam fans uh, in the sense that they listen to all the bootlegs and they, you know, track uh, set lists and all that stuff. They might not know how long shows were uh, right. expected to be. So they were just, everybody just being so crazy uh, in a, you know, in a good way along with, you know, with the band, uh, I really didn't feel as fatigued as I might if I was seeing another show. Well, it, it also doesn't really feel like a long show either. I was surprised at how easy this yeah. was to listen to. This was rather but, quick. Yeah, this was a quick listen. It's really quick, uh, yeah. but enjoyable. Like, Randy, how many times How many times have I said, like, why go needs to be either one or two or last? And it's number two here, and it's it's incredible. And what I like about this is like, they're doing a lot of like flip flop stuff, like do the evolution. Number three, there is nobody off in 2006. This is, this is the prime example of the band and, um, severed hand and corduroy, uh, specifically Cameron, Cameron's Cameron is singing the entire severed hand. It is dead on. Yes. Yeah. 
And then, Randy, I really like what you said about Corduroy, about kind of Mike telling like a story here with his guitar. I think this was the best drumming on a Corduroy that I've ever heard. And I think uh, Cameron is kind of telling un- his own story as well. Unbelievable. The, the Lamborghini really the Lamborghini analogy <laughs> is the first and only thing that comes to my mind. He's absolutely it, just it, motoring through this. 100%. times have we heard corduroy 10 billion times i listened to this corduroy like at least six or seven times i loved it so much yeah like i said this was not your everyday average corduroy which again brings to afterwards when they hit into whipping you're just like whoa damn and and they're still just on the ball with it and whipping is what a two and a half minute song where they're absolutely mortaring through it and the band's like yeah it's good but it's good too right it's not it's not messy. It's not, they're not speeding it up. even for 2006 this is for any pearl jam show i would take this in a heartbeat this is you're getting the crowd riled up and and really when ed kind of stops and talks he doesn't talk a lot in the show he doesn't really know french too well he knows a couple other different languages and i think 2006 is probably when he started he was like okay we're we got another 10 15 years where we're going to be going to europe a lot i need to learn how to speak you know, the, the native uh, language, but he doesn't talk a whole lot in the show. Most of these are just, you know, into in, in one song out in the other, in, in one out in the other. And, and, you know, not a lot of wasted time at all. And maybe that's why it feels so fast. I I honestly thought the bootleg might've been edited. I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. It's, it's seamless, but we've heard, uh, yeah, I've fallen asleep sometimes in between songs, and, and right. this was just like, oh my god, it was this was a pleasure. Right, uh, a little red mosquito coming after that little section of you know finishing with whipping, and and you see what they did with red mosquito. They kind of you know we've covered some versions of red mosquito lately, like that Berlin '96 version, which might be one of the best versions of any song out there. 
and it's just full speed ahead. It's full blast. It's, you know, Mike and so intense and Jack on the drums, everybody's in it. And, you know, we, we talked about that in, in, in a past episode, but this is, you know, they, they sort of take it down a notch and it's a lot more bluesy than it is, you know, trying to keep up the fast pace. And, and this is where they start mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, turn the tides a little bit. You're going to get after red mosquito, you're going to get more of the poppier stuff, the elderly woman, the given a flying down stuff that you can sing along with. So, you know, the way that this set is constructed is for pretty much any sort of fan that is expecting, you know, that, that big, that big introduction. And then you get back into it and you're still feeling it with some of those, popular hits in in the middle and then some more stuff coming at the end that's going to be rare so steve all this all this stuff ringing true here or yeah Yeah. so i'll just say real quick um my my favorite pearl jam album is no code so when they when they broke out red mosquito that was again just another highlight that i did not expect to get you know kind of punched in the face with and not the (laughs) only no code song from the show I know. In in my first show, you know, I was hoping they would play any really. Um, so in my first show of this of this tour to get that, you know, what the fifth or sixth song or whatever it is, um, was amazing. And like you said, the the version of it is fantastic as well. Um, you know, I think I was probably the only one. Everybody was, everybody else was kind of calming down a little bit, um, and I think I was the only person who was still just you know losing their mind uh, during Red Mosquito, which was which was really cool. And then. Uh, the, the classic, what do you call it? Uh, um, uh, elderly Mosquito? No. Uh, when Stone starts to play the wrong, oh, yeah, the yeah, wrong yeah, yeah. intro to, to Small the Town. Intro, yeah. <laughs> he said, so, all right. So, yeah, they get a little bit of a false start. And he says, we just played that one. And they must yeah. be in the same tuning or something like that, right? Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, Stone. It sounded like the progression was just a little you know what i almost didn't notice it at first but then i went back and it was like the crowd is so loud on it that it's almost impossible to some yeah something was slight i think it was a chord or something but or yeah, maybe it was tuning could have been tuning it was it was stone stone uh i believe started to play the beginning of red mosquito again instead of playing <laughs> starting to play uh elderly woman because uh, he still had his he still had his acoustic and he's yeah, and, and he turned. So you were saying and, he was and, playing acoustic and, on Red Mosquito? I think so. Huh. Uh, or it didn't I, sound I, like I, again. This is this is fifteen years ago. I could be I could very well be misremembering, but because he, he definitely I, the one, has the, one, the acoustic on Elderly. I know that the one the one part I definitely remember because I was standing right there looking at it was he turns to Stone and he goes, "We we we just played that one." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it was the beginning of the of Red Mosquito when he should have been playing the beginning of of Elderly Woman. So that was that was pretty good. There's another great line in there too. You guys have for, been forgiven Americans for years, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh and, yes, uh, yes. One one part of my story that I held on to for exactly this point, actually, um, the uh, woman that I was dating and went on the trip with me uh, was actually Canadian. So mm-hmm. um, one of one of the things that uh, uh, may have helped us get a little bit more of a friendly reception uh, from some of the French people was the fact that. Uh, we had Canadian flags on our backpacks, ah, <laughs> not, yeah, American, not, not American flags. Cause remember this is, this is all um, Iraq war uh, era. All right. Uh, freedom fries so, and freedom toast. Yeah. 
yeah, so uh, Americans were not terribly, um, you know, looked upon with, with a lot of uh, kindness uh, at that point, especially in France with, uh, you know, I don't know how old a lot of our listeners are and how much they remember, but France was like the holdout of the, uh, you know, the coalition that was trying to go into Iraq and, you know, Bush was trying to get to go into Iraq. Uh, so there was a lot of hostility there. So we were like, you know what? Let's just go with the uh, we'll go with the Canadian backpacks for that uh, <laughs> smart choice. And, yeah. <laughs> Again, you know they uh, they fall start elderly woman a little bit with red mosquito, and this is sort of their popular section here. Elderly woman given a fly down. Those are some songs you could really sing along with. And I didn't see anything from the three of these songs that was you know particularly you know stand out from these three that they're they're you know pretty much in standard the same standard way they usually play them but man i think we got to move right ahead to even flow because this to me is a massive massive highlight from this night and you were saying 2006 where you thought the band was really at their high point where they can absolutely do no wrong this year and 2006 was really when they started doing the drum solos in even flow and how freaking good was this and how unbelievable is is matt during this 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 song talked about some of the other songs some people get get fed up with even flow i i don't understand that at all that's one song i could hear every show and you, know, you do hear every show and i still get into it every time like it's my first time i freaking love hearing even flow live and this was this was definitely a highlight um again because 
Uh, I don't know that I'd seen Matt do such a uh, such a drum solo as part of it before. So uh, very very cool to see. Um, and he, like you said, he was just he just nailed it. He, the, everything about it was, was spot on. Just changing the paces, going from you know that absolute motoring fast speed to just that yep. boom boom. Bum, 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 bum. And then it's kind of like the steam engine that, you know, it picks yeah. up. It kind of goes through sort of, you know, maybe an up upward uh, incline. And then all of a sudden you get the drop and, and he's back to absolutely tearing tearing a hole in the set. Yeah, it's, it's really like a, it almost sounds, I always took it as almost like, uh, you know, all right, guys, let's, let's get, you know, let's get synced back up. This is our... Uh, you know, this is like our, our entry onto the high, back onto the highway type of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's just, it just, it, whatever it is, whatever it's supposed to be, it just works perfectly. It's great. And it comes in at only like, uh, I think just under eight minutes. So you get a yeah. good jam version of it. You yeah. Get a good solo. You get a drum solo, but it's also, um, it's easy to listen to. You can listen to it in line with everything else. Kind of, you don't have to like skip past a 12 minute even flow which can get a little trying for for people that listen to this a lot uh so this this one's this one's great and uh randy the 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 switch didn't flip like i thought it like i thought we we get we get down here dude oh really dude this this down is it's like straight off the album it's perfect it's everything i want in down and um i still have not listened to the down from uh, 311 from no from uh, no well Jesus no well now I'm just depressed why do you got to bring me in such a bad mood uh, no the the uh, the down uh, uh, I think Steve mentioned down from Fenway night one because we went to night two and that wasn't the best uh, down yeah no I I actually think I, I might misquote Steve slightly but the the idea I got from it was uh so yeah down that was pretty much the downfall of the band and i'm like oh boy <laughs> so um i don't want to hear that version so this one was very good you'll have to go back to the first ever episode if you wanted to do that and i don't think at this point any of our listeners are willing to go back that far well, and, and that but that's what I i'm don't saying recommend I, don't, it. I don't think we played i don't think we played it on that one did we i doubt it I doubt it. Yeah, we were dealing with we were dealing with cell phone bootlegs in the, in the, uh, the you know back when they used to play days. live shows. Exactly. We had to rip everything from from YouTube. Yeah, try to get try to get submissions from people. Does anyone have even flow from Fenway Night Two? We could borrow for the show. <laughs> Those were legit questions. Yeah, <laughs> and now we literally have you know over a thousand bootlegs. To our convenience, at any point in time, and uh, it it is pretty amazing the evolution that we went through with that. So, um, okay, so yeah, amazing even flow. Both Mike and Matt they get the shout outs afterwards, and with you know absolute you know we talk about it so much that Ed is just absolutely in awe whenever these guys are playing alongside of him that he can, especially during even flow, just take a step back, watch them do their thing, and just be absolutely wowed that he's playing gets to have a career playing with these talent talented talented musicians 
Um, and, uh, yeah, even flow kind of transitions the set a little bit and, and you get a little bit of a, uh, you know, just a little bit of a come down with, with, with wish list. And I love the ending to wish list here. Cause we, we get the, the wish list endings sometimes where Ed kind of does this little improv thing. And during 2006, you know, from Oh three to, to 08 kind of deal, he would go off and, and kind of do the spiel of, what it would be like if he was president. And usually I kind of brush it off as, all right, he's saying the same things. But this one sort of, man, it just rang with me. I wish I was the president. I'd apologize to the remembering so forgive me but i feel like at one point you guys weren't totally big on wish list seeing it live um still not yeah <laughs> i'm so of, hot and cold with it it's yeah. it's, it's 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 still one of my favorites to see live but again because of what you were talking about randy with the um what he used what they used to tag on to the end of wish list again from this from this era um it, it's it was great it was one of the songs where now i, I enjoy it but at the time, I would like look forward to it and really hope to see it in every set. And this was, again, this show is so good. This is one of the best versions of it. Because everything was such, everything was so, like, the tension was so high. And, like, this whole, with the war and everything. Like, I, I feel like it was a hundred years ago, in a way. Um, <laughs> so much has happened since then. I, yeah, I was about but, to say. We're <laughs> fighting know, over, but, you know, much, much different things right now. <laughs> Like we, Whether people yeah, wear masks in public, right? Where people are shooting each other because we, they don't want to wear a mask into the store. Like, but Steve, I, they're I just, fine people, feel... very fine people. <laughs> it just feels like it. Like it feels like we've lost our freaking minds. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I totally lost my train of thought. I don't know what I was trying to say there. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I but... actually, I actually fully understand what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. You're no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if it's because so, I've had a billion different conversations with you before, but like I can follow the direction of, of where you're taking this. So yeah, I feel, I feel like it was, it was like a, a rallying cry that we were, that we could get behind 
something, you know, like yeah. this war is, this war is fucked up. Like this, there's one thing that we can like put our efforts toward. Eddie is like out here, you know, kind of giving us like a, like, a, you know, you're, we're in it together. Let's, you know, I, you know, this is sort of like a something to look forward to and sing about and get, and get behind. Whereas now everything is just such like a miasma of crap that you can't even be like, there's, there's not one, one thing. thing. Yeah. Just, this, yeah. Here's just one thing we're going to get behind and do something about it. It's just like every day is just like, you know, screaming into the void. So, right. um, you know, at the time it, it was definitely uh, really powerful for me to, to hear wishlist, especially when they did this tag. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm not the biggest wishlist fan, uh, but I think what what is what is elderly woman here like? Two minutes. You you need wishlist here, or you're going to start killing people because this setlist isn't is <laughs> right. crazy, right? Um, and and it is a very good wishlist. Um, so for a song that I don't care for, uh, I think this one is actually quite good, and uh, I think it's really great in this set so uh i'm i'm on board with it after you get wishlist uh three songs here that i don't have a lot to say about even though we don't really talk about worldwide suicide a hell of a lot and this was really this was the time for world worldwide suicide where it was literally getting played every single night people might have gotten a little bit tired of it at this point it you know within all the shows that that they've done, they played it 54 times. That's a lot. That's the only avocado song that is for sure getting played every night. Maybe Severed Hand is along with that, but even so. Um, but avocado songs on this show? Three. There are three avocado songs, and they're mm-hmm. nowhere near each other. Severed Hand That's in the probably, beginning, that... Worldwide Suicide here in the middle, and Comatose completely on the other end at the end. Besides Irving Plaza, that's probably a record for avocado songs <laughs> in a set. Like I, I can't. No, well they I did prob- Torino. <laughs> I probably couldn't pay Eddie Vedder to play a goddamn avocado song at a show I go to, and we've been to anniversary shows where they never brought out one song from it. So, you know, you know my struggle with avocado. Yeah, they know it too. But the la- the last show that they've done. They had three avocado shows songs in that show. Mm-hmm. They had the Wasteds and they had uh, Comatose, so you got something. And, and then uh, the night before they had Army Reserve, so that's a, you know one that almost never gets played. The, the only thing I'll say real quick about Worldwide Suicide is again just that the transition from the Johnny Come Home to Worldwide Suicide was it uh, makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense and just had a, a very really uh, packed a powerful punch uh, for us as the only. <laughs> Americans and you know half Americans that we knew anyway uh, in the um, in the crowd it was it was a lot for us uh, it was very very cool while pretending not to be American right exactly <laughs> <laughs> well you know you follow up worldwide suicide of course you continue the theme with with glorified G and then right. Satan's bed and and this is really it's crazy that we're already at the end of this set here I don't have a lot to say about glorified G Satan's bed. We had the same exact combo a week ago on a, uh, you know, the Mansfield show that we did. Cause that was 2008, same kind of era, which is 
kind of crazy that we're doing two back-to-back shows with glorified G Satan's bed back-to-back that wasn't 94 95 that you know almost never happens but I don't have a whole hell of a lot to say about either of these but Satan's bed at least that's 24 times that it, it, it had been played live at the time so maybe at this point you hadn't seen it yet so that 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 might be you know a little bit of a talking point there yeah, to be honest, um, I don't think I had, but yeah, it was um, pretty wild to see, uh, again, a song that I hadn't seen, I don't think I had seen yet. So um, yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, I like this Satan, Satan's Bed a lot. I didn't, you know, Riffy Porches, and this is funny, this is this Riffy Porch is like, it's not even quite there yet. Oh, it's this like... is this isn't Riffy Porch, this is Porch Blues. <laughs> something i'm not sure i just it wasn't it wasn't dialed in yet um, here's the thing i wanted to ask you guys yeah it's it's funny that you mentioned that because actually that kind of ties into something you know going on 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 our patreon this week if you're not subscribed to our patreon head over to patreon.com slash live on four legs or search live on four legs on the patreon app and subscribe and get all of our exclusive episodes and we will involve you in an episode for the show or a set list draft episode. There's a lot of stuff going on over there. So if you like the show and you continue to tune in every week, it's an absolute steal. Help donate to the show. And this week you would get the Bridge School 96 shows, which is what we are tying this into here. So on the Bridge School, the second night of, of that year in 96, they did that porch version, which is basically what kind of segued into what they would do now, which is what we call on the show, Riffy porch. And what John seems to believe is that it stems from the who doing what they call my generation blues, which is just basically just Pete and Roger and it's completely slowed down but more it's a little bit bouncy but not it's not that punk riff at all and that's I I can see why that is the inspiration for the riffy or bluesy porch because that's you know this 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 intro for this version too sounds exactly what like what they did at bridge school so you know whether or not it's the best version here live now it is of course i want fast porch i want one two three four what the fuck is this world but i also i you know i accept that they do do it because it's kind of it's a moment that at the end of the set you can get people clapping and get people into it and it's kind of 
it's teeing you up. It's sort of one of those signals, like how alive is at, at the end of a set saying, all right, this is signaling the end here. This is sort of signaling the end of the first chapter to me. And, and that riffy part is, is all part of that, that people can get sort of into it. And it's, it's just a different era. Again, not raw, like it was in, in 93, 94, where Ed is going to jump on the speakers and, and all that. Change it up a little bit. I, I, I respect that, even though I like the original so much better. Yeah, I could, I could buy that. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think doing a riffy intro really um, drives home the point of it being like the end of a chapter and then you're getting into the, the encores. I think it'll, well, it'll just, be just it, fine the way it is. But. Well, it, it, it has more opportunity to involve the fans in with just clapping and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they can sing along with it and, and you know, Ed sometimes will let the, uh, the crowd sing, could have heard your voice one well, last that, time. That's, that's funny too, because I kind of got the feeling um, when I was listening to it, that when he started it, the crowd didn't really know what he was doing at first. It was very, uh, it was, there was almost like a language gap there yeah. with, with, it was not really very know, common like, at the time. It was out. very, it was very early. This was very early in the stages of, of bluesy porch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was actually what I was going to say is, well, I, I think this might've been the first time I heard that. So I think even I was like, wait, what is the song? And then, and then he, when they changed gears, it was like, Oh my God, because porch is my other, uh, my other favorite Pearl Jam song. So, um, yeah, along like he, with, he along with long road. So he didn't really have that, like that, like, triplet strumming that he does now that he loves to do he didn't yeah. he, tr- he tries it a few times here but it's not quite there yet so i'm glad he's gotten better at it we do have to mention just this version of porch though because i think it was so unique as opposed to other versions of porch I, I have to think in their minds it's it's like this this spacey uh experimental thing that they're doing it's it's like but matt is still intense and crazy and he's keeping up this this incredible incredibly fast pace but yeah it's like you you keep the time and we're gonna explore but we 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 need you here you stay there and then we're gonna do this with all due respect to nick mason this is pink floyd with guest starring with neil pert on drums that's what this is yeah that that's 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 a really good uh about 10 minutes long and you just sort of get lost in it but it's also 
it's not boring at all. And I think I give credit to Matt on that, that, you know, he can make something that is a little bit different and, and spacey and experimental and, and make it feel like it still has that, that driving force that you want from porch. So I, I was, I was very, I was happy with this version, you know, outside of the whole riffy stuff. No, it definitely goes into like laser jam. Right. It's, but he's, yeah, you're right. The Neil Pert backbone there for sure. All right, so we have gotten to the encore here, and this is where things start to to get a little nuts. And again, not a lot of talking to the crowd. This is usually a point where later in later years, Ed will say, you know, cheers to you. Here's a little story about some something or other. Here's what I did earlier in the day, yada, yada, yada. They start off the encore right away, and they're just like, all right, fuck it. Here's Fatal. Like, they've played it a hundred times. <laughs> It's the third time that they have ever played it. The last time they played it was in 2003, that amazing Santa Barbara show. And before that, they did uh, they debuted it at the Benaroya. So it had been 103 shows since they had done it. How good is he? Size or ego telling him where this place to far if he arrived to tell it away to put it put on his suit and his tie. How good is he? How warm is his heart? a massive surprise when when they're performing this here Steve I, I would have to think that this is sort of one of these once in a lifetime kind of songs that you're saying holy shit I never in a million years would have expected this one absolutely so uh, I, to be 100% honest with you I was not even really all that familiar with the song uh, uh, but I knew that I had heard it and and, and liked it and then when they started to play it I was like it, like it almost took me a second to realize that it wasn't a cover um, and then I was like oh wait uh, wait a minute of course, what am I, of course I know this song you know like uh, <laughs> and then uh, and um, yeah when it, when it sunk in and reali- I realized what it was it was it was pretty awesome and you think that's going to be you know man you know I was hoping to hear you know one really rare song on the on the the four shows that I uh, got to see it and you think all right and we see the most rare one like right out of the gate in my first first show it's pretty uh pretty wild stuff and it's beautiful too for yep not it's it, i mean it's fantastic this song 100 uh, you know i always say i love down but it had no place on riot act 
this song should have been on binaural 100 percent. 100 sounds yeah. fantastic here and you're it, it, this is what this is two out of technically three lost dogs right now which is in in a set that's like a lot of hits and it's just fast moving and they're at their prime here like it's it's just another reason why this is a golden year and the show is just fantastic yep yeah i mean look even after this this is the third time it's been played it's only been played eight times so there are a couple shows i i think there was a, a worcester show where they played it and they did it in london in in 2018 and missoula 2018 but really there aren't a lot of years where they bust us out some of these rare ones it's like okay this is a once a year kind of song fatal doesn't really get that treatment so you know i think we've even covered it on the show two or three times so to have to just to have that is kind of crazy that we've been able to talk about it and, and it's well, I, I, something i want yeah, I think for sure i think steve got two of the rarest of all time in one show and he's had big wave so <laughs> <laughs> and big wave and, and I still absolutely love Big Wave. I don't know what uh, Matt is, yeah. what his issue is all of a sudden, but I, we, no, no, I, no, I don't want to. I, I still love <laughs> it. I was just a little, I was underwhelmed with the with the last episode that I did when it was featured. I was just, yeah, it's, I still love it though. Uh, it's, 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 it's like the Christmas present that, you know, you've wanted all year and you open it up and you're just like, really? It's, it's yeah. this? The video game that's just oh, not as fun as everybody said it was. Oh, a banana. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Another no code one. Off he goes. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was beautifully perfect. performed. It's the way that I like. They're not sort of pandering to the crowd. It's not a poppy sing-along. It's not a campfire. It has its folky roots to it. This is 100% in. I love this version. I love when they do it like this. Yeah, and uh, back to back with Fatal again, kind of uh, amping up the uh, emotional, um, you know, quotient of the show quite a bit. Uh, yeah, it was pretty great. Boom sneaks in a pretty nice part in there too. I noticed there wasn't a lot of boom moments in this, but that, off he goes had a nice little boom moment. That that was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Um, important part in the set here, black gets a little bit of a false start nothing to really kill him about it's falling with style we get it it's cool but at first doesn't feel like the most strongest eddie performance and you've heard more passionate versions of black where he's really digging into something really deep and it was it was fine it, it was good and i think mike was really taking charge of this one but then you get to the tag you get to the tag is good woman from cat power which is not a song i'm very familiar with but the lyrics are so impassioned that i was able to feel from ed at this point i was able to feel that he was tapping into something that he hadn't tapped into in a very very long time subject material that he does not whether or not it means anything to him anymore whether or not he feels this way anymore he's back into this mindset he's channeling it This love 
I would 100% agree. I think it's uh, the the tag is fantastic, and um, at the time uh, I, I didn't I wasn't really listening to Cat Power yet, uh, so I didn't recognize the song. Uh, you know, the, the lyrics I should say from from being one of her songs, uh, but I so I thought it was like a poem or something that he had written, uh, and just really enjoyed it. And then you know, several years later, when I heard the Cat Power song, and I was like, wait a minute. I know those. I know that. Uh, it just made it, it made it even more powerful in a way because it was, you know, uh, whenever he finds, uh, it seems like when he finds um, lyrics or songs that he loves from somebody else, uh, it just shows that he can appreciate somebody else's work and kind of make it his own. And I just think that's a really cool thing to be able to do. Uh, and it's awesome when he, um, even if it's indirectly, you know, promotes. Uh, other bands and other artists, which is just really cool thing to do. Yeah, uh, Black is. I, I think I've uh, uh, come away from saying take it or leave it with Black, but what I need Black to do is is Black needs to, um, really uh, go somewhere. So every Black to me is kind of same old, same old, and it's got to be the tag or the band or Mike or Eddie or the crowd that takes it to the next level or, or it's going to be take it or leave it for me. It's going to be same old, same old. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. It is definitely um, elevated to a point uh, in this one because it starts off as it starts off as black, which is great. And it's always great to get because you hope that it's, it's taken to a new level. And the great thing about black is that every time they do that, a lot of the times it's kind of something you wouldn't expect or haven't seen before, whether it be the crowd you're with or the tag they do or how they play the song. There's always this kind of mystery um, at the end of, of this song. And that's kind of what I look forward to with it. So yeah, this was, this was great. This is a great example of that. Yeah. One of my favorite moments on this show for sure. And, and I, I kind of look, I, I agree and disagree with that sentiment where I think Black is sort of one of those par for the course type songs where there's no miss when it comes to Black, but, you know, an average Black is better than an average, I don't know, My Father's Son by a thousand percentage points. But Mm -hmm. it also, there are versions that absolutely separate themselves from the pack. And I think that had this tag not have happened... This song doesn't have that separation at all. Uh, I like to work through uh, Black, uh, uh, where the beginning to me is just always kind of like, okay, this it's kind of like the smooth ride, and then you, you get to the point where you know something's going to go down, and, and you hope for it, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I, I and I think they nailed the landing on this. I, th- I thought it was absolutely perfect. It's one of like I said, one of the best moments in the show. So um all right, those are the three sort of the slow the slow burn openers for the encore. And then you only get two more in in, in the first encore. There's more songs in Encore two than there is an Encore One, which is very odd and, and a lot different. And maybe time wise they both match up because there are a lot more shorter songs in Encore Two. Black is about ten minutes long, so okay it evens itself out somewhere but i believe in miracles and a live ends the set and sort of the thing you know i believe in miracles was, was fine i had no no 
nothing severe on it where it's different or more special than other versions. But my one thing with a live and especially, you know, a point for you, Steve, is that you kind of sort of expect it to be that penultimate kind of song near the end of the set. So you're getting it here and you have a live off the board, black off the board, porch off the board, which are usually later in set songs that are those, you know, that captivating moment where the band is gearing up to either close or gearing up for something big. And those are off the board at, at, at this point. So in your eyes, are you thinking like, what the hell are they going to do in this encore too? I, I couldn't even think. And even something like a, a, why go and do the evolution off the board, which could be in those spots too. I couldn't even yeah. think of what would be possible for the second encore. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> I think at that point I was so like just tired that I wasn't even really tra- keeping track of, uh, you know, what, what had been played and what hadn't been played. Um, so I don't know if I was even thinking that far ahead, but I was thinking like, um, after when they closed with a live in the, in the first encore, I, th- I feel like I might've been concerned that we were only going to get one encore, uh, just because oh. like you said, like they, it closed with such a, it closed with such a, you know, like a tremendous, you know, black and a lot black. I believe a miracle is stuck in there, and then and then alive. You're kind of like, oh man, yeah. I, I wasn't I wasn't like going through songs and thinking like, what are they going to play? But I was thinking like, that was such a dynamic end. Uh, you know what 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 else? What are they going to come out and do? So um, yeah, I don't know if I was quite on this page that you're you're talking about, but it definitely struck me as uh, an odd or, or or a different way to end the first encore. I was going to ask if you were standing there like, all right, um, this is a big ender. Do they keep going in Europe or is this the end of the show? And that's, and that's, (laughs) yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, Matt. That's the other thing I was thinking was, I don't know if they're, I I don't know how long they can play in Europe. Um, you know, maybe this is, maybe they have like an early curfew or something. Uh, How do you, how do you do it over here? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You see over in Canada where I'm from. Can you just pay the venue? Can you just pay the (laughs) venue to go longer like in Canada or uh, (laughs) do we got to get out of here? In in, uh, Canada. Yeah. yeah, No. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good way to cap off Encore One though. I love when they can play around with a live I we did it a couple weeks ago where a live was the eighth song in the set and it wasn't you know an early 90s show where I was you say, don't have a lot to play for. I think 2000 <laughs> oh okay well so everything was a little strange in 2000 yeah, yeah and and they were kind of this was before Ross killed and they were kind of off from alive a little bit and they weren't really into the song as 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 it was uh, anyway, with, with, with the curse and, and all of that, but play around with it, put it in different spots. Let's see, see if things work. They even opened with it at one point. So, you know, try it. And then, you know, it brings unpredictability for later in the set, which a lot of this here is very much unpredictability Encore two. Here we go. Opener with last exit, unpredictable. I don't know the last time. I've seen last exit in an encore, nevertheless an encore too. And, you know, they're opening the floodgates right away. And it's like, what else can they, what else is this leading to right here? And it goes from last exit into leash, which 
for you, Steve, has to be a massive, massive moment because this is really as much as this is the avocado tour. This is really the leash reunion tour. It comes yeah. back at that Boston show in 06 and it makes 20 appearances this year after not showing up uh, for, on a show since 1995. So you know that they're bringing this back in the set list. Is this on your mind that maybe, maybe just one of these four shows that there could be a leash somewhere here? Yeah, I, I had heard that. Uh, I had heard that they were playing it, um, uh, or you know, I knew, I knew they were playing it. I should say, uh, but you know, it's still like it was. It was so rare before that. Then you think, like, uh, maybe it's going to come up, maybe it's not. So you kind of just hope that it does. Uh, and then to follow "Last Exit" with just such a great song, uh, yeah, that was a, a tremendous one too. Because again, you're thinking, I'm thinking, like, oh man, are they going to have to end early? And then they come back out with these these two songs back to back, and it was it was a great way to start the encore the second encore i appreciate the rarity of course i I, you know i and i i don't know why i never liked last exit not that i didn't like it it just wasn't a go-to but it's so cool it's so cool here uh because they're really kind of really playing around and they're flipping things left and right um the rarity of leash is great but I, i still don't like leash and i i uh you know, it, it comes from a time where they're they're kind of, you know, they they were doing different things, and some things worked, and some things didn't. And I don't think Leash works. I just the rarity is cool. I'm I'm sure it was very cool to get at this show. We I don't care. I don't care for the song. A, a long time ago, we did a, a thing called an evolution episode on our Patreon, and uh, this was probably our first or second episode that we did Leash, and we mentioned that you know it works so well in the raw early years where they're playing this in clubs in 92 where it would be leash and porch and and close a show and then after verses kind of came out they were like okay animal is a great song elderly woman is a great song dissident we're gonna play all these other songs from verses and they sort of left leash behind because they didn't they weren't in that mindset anymore leash is really more of a 10 era song than it is a versus era song so support that decision. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I look, <laughs> but, you know, you get this version of Leash in, in 2006. Though. They don't even it's lucky face. They don't even say get out of my fucking face. They say uh, get out of my lucky face. And right. that's stayed Adorable. that way since then. But yeah, look, I, I think it's more of an homage to their history instead of like, OK, we're going to go back and play the same way that we did in 92. They're never, they're never going to do that. It's just sort of a, you know, you, we appreciate the fans and we appreciate, you know, their, their input and, and how much they want a song like this to be put back into the fold. We'll give it to yeah. you. It's not going to be the same way. It's not going to have that angst and anger to it, but you know, ex- it, and it's accepted. I think everybody just wants to hear it no matter how it's played. Maybe yeah. what they're maybe what they're saying is you're lucky you're getting it you fuckers so you know stop, stop <laughs> get out of our that. lucky faces. <laughs> so as as someone who bought verses the day that it came out um, and just remember that song just uh, like just like changing my worldview in in some ways uh, to to hear it live was was 
pretty awesome. Um, even if, even if it doesn't quite sound the same, uh, you know, so it wasn't played with quite the same intensity, uh, or, you know, or quite the same style as it had in the past. Um, just see, being able to see that live was, was pretty epic. And then, um, again, something that, uh, we've kind of talked about off the podcast. Um, it also was just another, it was another thing at the time. There was so much anger, um, just in our like society about things for them to be like, to, to break that song back out at that, at that moment, uh, kind of felt like, again, like another, almost like another rallying cry type mm. of, um, you're, you're not going to fucking surveil me, uh, without a warrant, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> all, all this, all this shit that was happening at the time. Um, it just had a lot of them breaking that song back out, had a lot of, uh, impact for me, um, kind of just showing that, yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're not like, uh, you know, making minimum wage, like, you know, a lot of people are or whatever, but they're still in the fight with us. And they realize that the, what's happening in this, in that time is important. So let's break the song back out and, uh, have it be something that signifies that to us. And well, I don't know if that was their intention or not, but it definitely felt like it. Um, and that was, that you never know. Yeah. Every, yeah. it's like everything has a reason and nothing has a reason. It could just, it could have just been, Hey, Matt's never played leash. So let's just try it. Or it could have been, yeah. it had this really philosophical idea of why leash should be back in the set list. But I will say that they did play it 20 times in 2006. And since 2006, they've only played it 21 times. So that was the year to see it. If right. you know, I I've been fortunate enough to see it twice. So, you know, you can hit on it at some points, but I know a lot of people that, you know, this is the one that they still need from versus that it's that kind of rare, yeah. uh, on that. So, um, better man follows this up and, and this is so straightforward that I, man, there's no tag. There's no save it for later. It sort of just ends yeah. and you're like, Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. this, cool. This was, this was just horrible. <laughs> This is this Jesus. is the one, this is the one that I was talking about where where it's like Eddie just it's like his passion fell out of his ass or something. I and it's it's funny that you bring up the tag because I had just listened to maybe a day or two before I was going through Let's Play Two. Let's Play Two Better Man has no tag. It's pretty straightforward. It is one of the most amazing versions I've ever heard. This is the complete opposite of that, and I was really disappointed, especially being so late in the set, Encore 2. It's not just Eddie. I feel like the whole band just wasn't really there for it. Well, uh, well, here's the, here's the thing, and, and it ties into sort of the theme that we have for this Encore 2. It's, it's sandwiched in between two of the two Freebird songs that they have, the songs that the crowd is shouting at them the most. It's sandwiched in between Leash and Dirty Frank. And especially on Dirty Frank's case, where they've only played it once that year, it's really, they're experimenting and they're busting it out and they would never bust it out again. So on their minds, and, and this is, if I were to guess, they're probably just thinking, okay, get through this to get to Dirty Frank, because that's, we got to get we got to get dirty frank right and but that sucks because we hear 
memorable, iconic versions of a pretty iconic song to get to a song that defines the reason why you leave songs off albums. And that's that's what disappoints me. <laughs> well, look. Dirty Frank is the example of why you leave songs off albums. It's it's terrible. Uh, I don't chase it. I don't want it. I don't care about it. I would much rather have had this Better Man be something like a Let's Play 2 uh, Better Man because that one is is just bonkers off the wall good. Here's uh, what most of you have been waiting for, tuning in to hear us talk about because it's so rare that we ever talk about it that we've only really talked about it once. And that was when we did the Orpheum show. Actually, twice, because we did that New Year's Eve show, too. That's deep, well, deep within our Patreon. Three times, because we did get a tease of it at Fenway. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I count that as conversation, but it was, it's... It was, uh, it was riffy, Frank. We'll call it that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, look, I got, I got a lot of different thoughts on this here. And I think my early thought is that it's always going to be that song that the longtime lifer is going to chase because it's it's first of all look at the show it's marseille france who's at this show steve you're lucky enough that you picked this show and you and you hit it that's hitting sort of a lottery a jackpot there most Hardcore, hardcore fans are waiting for your Philly, your Chicago, your New York, your Boston, your L.A., your Vegas, whatever, Seattle. And they don't bust it out at any of those places. They busted right. it out at the Gorge earlier that year. But still, that that's my, my point here is that it takes this kind of venue to bring this song out and it makes people it makes their blood boils like ah i went to a show in in st paul minnesota they could have done it there that's that's the equivalent of you know marseille france i could have gotten it there and it's sort of telling you that anything can happen at any single pearl jam show and and yes this show is great without dirty frank don't get me wrong it with dirty frank it doesn't change my rating at all it wouldn't change it without it but People aren't talking about Marseille from 2006 without this song in the set. They just aren't because because of how a rare it is and how much everybody chases it, and uh, they chase it for obvious reasons. It's their goofiest, weirdest song. That's a weird owl covering parroting the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's you know. Uh, <laughs> about a cannibalistic bus driver. It's, it, it has all of those elements. And even, you got to think, especially Stone, a guy like Stone, just talented, beautiful musician, just such a talented songwriter. You got to think, in his mind, whenever that guy at a show does the free, gives him the free bird treatment and says, Dirty Frag! He's got to be thinking in his mind, you know, We've written so many beautiful, beautiful songs, and you want that one? Like, there's got to be some 
just confusion there and it but it makes a lot of sense it's just that supply and demand sort of deal that you know because they don't supply it there it's going to get demanded more often and and i i still believe that to this date however long they have they have 10 20 years left we are going to get this one at least one more time somewhere I don't know where it will be. It probably won't be in any of those places like I mentioned before. It'll probably be an equivalent to a Marseille. But I think that they will give in one more time for this. But again, with all that being said, Steve, you got Dirty Frank. So there's an audible whoa from the crowd (laughs) in this. this is matt i don't remember if it was you i said it to or um if it was our friend suzette that i said it to but before i left for my trip somebody actually asked you know what's the what's the one song that you hope to get while you're over there and and i said dirty frank not not remotely thinking that it would happen you know just completely as a joke and the first set the first song uh first show of the tour that I'm going to see, and they, they busted out of the second encore. I was like, I, I freaking lost my mind. I couldn't believe it. Um, I maybe, I, I don't even think half the crowd was singing, or most of them were kind. Of, most of the people were kind of like, what? You know, didn't even really know what it was. Right. Um, it was awesome. It was awesome, and uh, you know, it might be part of the. Uh, you know, being an early, early-ish fan, uh, and uh, kind of when you heard Dirty Frank or when somebody gave you Dirty Frank, uh, it was like you were getting some sort of like secret club handshake or something. <laughs> uh, so you know, like to, like oh, I know this song that not a lot of other Pearl Jam fans you know know. Uh, you know, especially way, way back in the very beginning. Um, it always holds a special place for me. I don't know if that's why. I feel like it's such a weird, goofy song, um, but it's also like fun and uh, well-written in a way. Uh, I feel like I would like it if I heard it today for the first time, but I can't really say. It might have that. It might just be because of the nostalgia factor, um, you know, that's associated with it. But I. Whatever the reason, I I love Dirty Frank. I was super excited to see it. Um, it was unbelievable. 
Yeah, I mean, Randy, you're right. Uh, people aren't going to talk about this show because it's an incredible show, which is a travesty. They're going to talk about it because 100%. of the song. Right. Um, and I think people are lying if they say they're chasing the song because they think it's a good song. They chase it for the rarity because this song, <laughs> there is nothing interesting. It's boring. What? No, I, I really no. don't think there's one think, redeeming look, quality. No, I, I, I cannot agree with you. I have to interrupt you on that. that that's no way, man. It is actually boring. Listen to horribly boring. I mean, what? have you heard "Give It Away"? It's the same tune. <laughs> oh, I never, I, I never said "Give It Away" was a good song. Um, oh God! At least uh, Flea plays more than two bass notes in it. But uh, this song, come on, uh, guys, you, you got it. I know this is. If you're putting on for the show, I understand, but be real for a second. This is not a good song. It, I 100% disagree with you. It is a good song. It is. It, it, it depends on it depends on what you mean by a good song. Is it's it not like, trying I, to be a good song? It's not trying to be blacker. I, I think Long Road. I, is it, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna say it's so rare and they don't play it because they're embarrassed of it. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I, I kind of. Yeah, they might be embarrassed by it, but they don't really have a reason to. Be. I think most of the embarrassment is just the confusion of why does everybody want this song so bad? I think to them, they they think this is one of their lower totem pole kind of songs. It's just a joke. It's about yeah, a bus want, driver they want, that they want it for the rarity. You, but it's oh I, look you, I you I don't disagree with that because you enjoy the song. But, uh, th- I think see, there okay. are people that 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 do enjoy the song though that that <sighs> that I don't agree with. But yes, I do think that people want it more for the bingo card or the checklist than they do yeah, to like, be like ah oh, Dirty why, Frank is in my top ten. Like that's no, why I, I don't. I don't. That's why I'm, I have no interest in the song at all because I don't. I don't. If it was a if if this song was like if this song was like the Holy Grail that was I mean just the best song ever written you know that would be different the best song like the most beautiful it's it's not going to be a Holy Grail right because they're going to play it if it's the best right. song <laughs> right and if if right. they're not playing it there's but, a reason for that but that doesn't mean it's not a good so. Okay, it's not so you can, you, you can have good songs that are good because they're like masterfully written and have, uh, you know, incredible lyrics and a great, uh, you know, a great tune or whatever you want to have. But then you can also have good songs that are good because they're just like they're fun and you can listen to it and enjoy it and laugh at the ridiculous lyrics. Um, and they're not like they're not like a bad song to listen to. So, like, I still, every, every, whenever Dirty Frank comes on my Pearl Jam, you know, when I just play my Pearl Jam songs randomly and Dirty Frank comes on, I still listen to it and dance and, you know, sing along because it's, it's a fun song. It's a nostalgia act that's sort of a, a thank you for a couple people that, yes, over the years and years and years have been, been asking for it hundreds and hundreds of time and the one day that they don't ask for it is is the day that they get it so to me that's okay and and it's going to come back soon but don't ask for it and you you shall receive oh, i will uh, say I tr- that trust 
Trust me, I will not be asking for it. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think we've gathered that at this point. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the set. We uh, we finish off our third and final avocado song is Comatose before fucking up. And um, I got really not much on Comatose. They, it was like a 220 song and rip right into fucking up. But again, like it, you know, no talking, no nothing, nothing like that. And it, it, ends with fucking up which is is great and it's such a good version of fucking up but it's it's bucking that tradition of the bread and butter that we always talk about there's no alive here there's no rocking in the free world we're not ending with lead better i I gotta think though this being the first of four shows and they close with this to you it's kind of like it's sort of the to be continued like yes we end on this high point and you don't want led better to sort of end your first show because you want that later on that you want that for the last show but this is a good a good one to leave off and wait for paris right absolutely and uh i absolutely love fucking up so um that was like you again i said it before you, you couldn't really ask for much more uh out of that it was such a great way to end the show uh and to your point about like Ledbetter would have been like a closing chapter or whatever you want to say, but this was like, yeah, get ready for three more shows before you head back to, you know, back to the States. So, uh, definitely a very good way to end. Or to, uh, to Canada, excuse me, right to Canada. <laughs> uh, Steve, I'm going to have to disagree with you one more time. Give me Ledbetter, and you'd never think you'd hear me say that, right? Because I, I, I fucking hate fucking up. I hate this guy. What the hell? What are you? Yeah, I never understood that take. What in the? What are you guys talking about? What? I hate this song. That's such a poor, piss poor take. When they all come in with the "Why do I?" on the chorus, it's grating, man. It it drives me nuts. Can't stand it. Wow, wow. I'm not. I feel like I have been. I'm not a Neil Young fan, so. Uh, uh, but this see, song, I, I'm, oh I'm a really, I'm a huge Neil Young fan, but still, I, wow, wow. This song is this song is the, lazy and just this is mean. So boring. This was that not, is unbelievable. No. I do not. Wow, I, just, I don't agree with it. any word it. that you just said. This was a never, fantastic never, fucking never, version. Never liked it. Never will. Unbelievable. I I loved it. I thought I was so happy to see it because um, you know you. Again, I'm trying to remember back. Um, I don't remember exactly, but I think this was the first time I saw them close uh, with "Fucking Up." Um, and the only other uh, songs I'd hear them, I'd heard them close with. They closed with "Smile" in uh, Greensboro when I saw them there. But then it was either it was either "Baba" or uh, or uh, "Ledbetter." So to get like a new closer and a Neil Young song and. Uh, I think a very good Neil Young song um, was was fantastic. So I, I I I can't imagine not enjoying fucking up. It's it's great. And to end on a song that be, you know you start the show with such a prominent you know Tom hitting Matt Cameron on the drums, and it finishes off the same way with that boom 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 boom. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. How does that not such get you a fired up? Great bookend. It's such a great <laughs> right. bookend. Uh, you know, I, I'd like 
that they they didn't go with Rocket in the Free World and and no Ledbetter and Difference. I, I feel like it fit the identity for the show perfectly. Let's cap this off. Um, everybody, let's pick three of your favorite moments from the show, uh, starting off with the man who was, who was there and got to witness the whole thing. From the show specifically, uh, I would say, uh, forgive me, but Dirty Frank has got to be got to be super high up there opening with long road of course uh to kick off my my four my four show set in europe uh with long road was was just amazing um and then uh let's see uh i'd have to say um again the uh probably the 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 tag on the end of wishlist into worldwide suicide was um was definitely the one of the best one of the best parts i thought that hit really hard for me um and did a really great job and then of course getting to be on stone's side for all of that uh and seeing all of it um you know pretty up 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 close pretty close was pretty great mine are easy definitely uh severed hand in corduroy because of cameron my my kind of uh favorite star of the show on on this one uh fatal was beautiful and Pretty much just uh, summing it all up, just the the whole flow, just the good. It's just a good set. I love this version of Long Road. I think it was, it might be one of my favorite versions I've ever heard before. Um, something you're just not going to get a version like this at most other shows. They're going to go in a completely different direction. But the way that they handled it was just so unique, and and uh, you know, give it to me every single time. Um. I loved the end of Wishlist. I loved Corduroy. I loved uh, Even Flow. I loved I loved the drum, drum solo section in Even Flow. There were so many great things about the show. When you can say more than three things, then it, it, it's a win for everybody. Uh, and I think that's what we have here. If we're narrowing it down to three, I'm going to go Long Road, uh, the end of Wishlist, and I'm going to go... Oh, whipping was so good too. Um, mm. I'm going to go to the end of black. I, you know, the the two tags from this show, Wishlist and Black, were were both just tremendous. And and two things that I'll I'll take out of this and and remember more than uh, than than a cannibalistic bus driver. But that's, uh, that's really interesting. Right. You guys, you guys went more for the um, the low key parts, and I liked the the kind of more high energy parts. But it was more. Yeah, it was more of a high energy show, but those maybe that's why the, well, those moments really stood, stood out. out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Maybe that's why. Uh, all right, let's give this a little bit of a rating here. Uh, so, if I remember correctly, the I gave the Berlin show a ten um, way back when I when I was I think it was the first time I was on. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I gave that show a ten. So I'm going to give this one. Am I allowed to give it a nine and a half? Yeah, of course. Sure. Uh, that that Berlin show just there was something special about it um, that I don't think this one quite matched uh, up to. You know, being indoors instead of outdoors maybe was the was the the deciding factor there. But um, it just was a little bit shy of that Berlin show. Uh, that's that's still my uh, my. My, my top my number one all-time show so i'll give this one a nine and a half well berlin was that was like the the greatest black of all time right that we could oh yeah that's hard yeah to, that's hard to rate you know against for sure yeah um yeah this is uh 
everything's played top notch. Yeah, there's a few things that I didn't love, but um, it's interesting. It kicks ass. It's fast. Uh, great listen. Um, yeah, I, I give this a uh, nine for sure. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't give this anything under the, under a nine, and I'm. You know, I'm in between nine and nine and a half and, you know, try to base it off of, you know, other shows that I've given, you know, certain ratings to. Um, yeah, this 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 could be a nine and a half and, and I'd be OK and confident saying this is a nine and a half. I'm 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 totally cool with that because you get from a historic standpoint, it's part of the Leash Reunion tour and Dirty Frank, of course, is notable whether or not look i might give this a nine and a half without dirty frank i think i even said before i would uh it's that good of a show dirty frank as far as performance wise doesn't like make or break this show for me i think it's other things that really push this over the edge like mentioned before the long roads and black and and wishlist and and even flow whipping corduroy all those uh but yeah like there were just there are sections in the show it can really be sectioned out where that early beginning is just all motoring through and, it, and it's Cameron and it's Mike and it's everybody gelling together and then you get some poppier stuff in the middle and then you get some rarer stuff to the end. And yeah, the, the show pretty much has everything. It's um, it's as close to, to perfect from 2006 as as there is. So this, this was an excellent show for anybody that doesn't have the bootleg. Go out, find it get it if you email us we'll send it to you i know we always do that so we'll do that and uh yeah perfection it's great it was great to have both you back on and we got to do this more often as much as we can and uh, obviously there's more time now next week we're going to do the burn show that 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 was part of this little stretch so do you want to come back and and at least you know, you don't have to do what we did today and, and do the full episode, but give us like 15 minutes and talk yeah. a little bit about in between Marseille to burn. Absolutely. I'd love to. Great. Let's, let's do that. Then we'll, we'll get you both back on and, and uh, we'll, we'll revisit some of uh, some of these conversations. So uh, burn Switzerland as we continue on our around the world series next week another 2006 show and and really as we go into june it's there's a lot of trends here there's really only three years that we're really touching on i know last week we did mansfield 2008 the week before that we did Prague 2000 so we there those are all the years that we're doing up until july it's only 2000 2008 and 2006 and it kind of that it, it didn't purposefully work out that way only you know, only Marseille and Burn did because I wanted these back to back because we've never done really shows that were back to back in the same spots. So uh, just a little bit of an experiment there. But yeah, but until we get to our Wrigley shows in July, we are going to do mostly shows from from those three years. So uh, get ready, get excited for those more countries, everything that's going on especially on Patreon. Again, if you want to join up on Patreon, patreon.com slash live on four legs, bridge school, 96, night two will be out this week and more set list drafts will be coming soon. And I think we have the immortality evolution episode that is going to be, you know, in the not so distant future sometime in June. Also, if you sign up today, 
we are doing our bootleg of the month giveaway every the fourth of every month is will we will send everybody that's a patron we will send them a bootleg of a show that we're going to cover later on in the year or later on in the month i should say so if that's something that you know you really want to get your bootleg collection back to full force you know and and you listen to the show constantly and you can't get enough and you want more there's more 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 where all of that came from and your support is absolutely appreciated 100% and uh trust me it's it's put into to something real good so again thank you both for coming back and it's been a while but we love you both and anytime uh, Matt you got to come back to to duel with John I think that's you know a long time coming there well I don't have any gigs until 2021 so <laughs> we got it well we're doing the Wrigley show do you want to come back for the Wrigley show yeah I'll come back for the one that I was that I was at night yeah night two yeah 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 we'll do that that's got a good better man <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, and and it, it was, doesn't have it was, fucking up so and it doesn't and uh it was uh uh steve correct me if i'm wrong i think better man's like number four in that yeah list. it's yeah. awesome I think, yeah i think really you're right early. it's super early that yeah. was a weird show that was great. but didn't they play oceans that's sh- oh, we have to do a, a show with oceans with you uh, <laughs> I just don't want to listen to him do that again. Jeez, too much, too much negativity. I thought we got rid of all that. If you, if you want, just, I, okay, no, it, okay. Pearl Jam has a million songs. I don't like like four of them, and they're in every show. So. <laughs> but he's outspoken about the ones he doesn't like. <laughs> all right, that wraps things up over here. So thank you all for tuning in to this extraordinarily long but entertaining episode so this may be the end we're here but not for much longer and although we may be parting ways i miss you already and i miss you always for randy matt and steve and marseille 2006 and a little bus driver we like to call frank 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 shut your mouth i'm just talking about dirty frank we shall see you back next week for burn switzerland 2006 